0: listening to primal radio the podcast dedicated to combat sports martial arts self-defense and the warrior mindset and here are your hosts from hamilton new jersey jim mccann and london england tom mcgrath
1: all right we're back at primal radio it is uh july 18 2018 and uh today it's just tom and i tom what's up
0: brother um Oh, I've had a stressful day, man, but uh, it's great to be on the show.
1: Oh, it is! Well, I've been waiting for this show because um, you know you were gone for goddamn a month in uh, the Philippines, and then when you came back, we had Dennis Blue, and that was a great show. And Dennis is uh, oh, by the way, so how did how did the JKD uh, what was it called? Was there something? There was
0: a theme to it. It was just Dennis the Dennis me. Blue seminar. There was nothing. no no super duper name, but. Um, it was fantastic, Jim. It was, it was really, what? really good. I mean, we probably all got, you know, our favorite instructors of which you're one of mine, right. um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> without uh, blowing up your ass, but, um, you know, it, 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 Dennis is a guy that right from the off I've always related to a lot. Right. And he, he, he was actually in the UK in the military kind of passing through like you know 30, oh, really? 30 years ago or something crazy like that and hasn't been back <coughs> so we got to show him around so, so um, Dennis
1: was great so what did he teach he taught a little bit of everything right
0: yeah i mean it's amazing how <gasps> complex or how how much there is to the fundamentals so right. I, I would i would say he never taught anything more than say a 5 or 3 kick punching or kicking drill you know right. um but what we did is throw a lot of stuff around the timing, uh, distance, yeah. tempo, you know, uh, I forget all the different things, you know, the level changing and stuff like that. And, and you, suddenly you build from having, say, four moves to having, you know, 80 or something like that. But.
1: Right, it, it goes quick, and that's just keeping it simple, and, and it it grows exponentially uh, rather quickly. And then I'll, you know, we've talked it about a thousand times on the show and together in different places. But good, I'm glad Dennis was a hit. Glad you guys had him out there. He, you know, interesting. Dennis is super talented, and probably look, I I, I don't know, how, underrated. Maybe you could say he's he's a, a quiet guy, and then once you get to know him he's very fascinating and and full of fun. And he's a great guy, a lot of fun, but, uh, but he doesn't get out there as much as uh, he probably should be. We'd like to have him out there, but, and he's working on re kind of fabbing the Wednesday night group and he's got other projects out there. So hopefully that stuff will be out soon. But I want to touch on a few other things. And I want to get to your trip in the Philippines, but I want to kind of cover some shorter topics first. One, Uh, Excuse me. Was this past weekend, we had uh, the catch, the catch seminar um, and the catch world championships at Primal Gym. So what does this mean? So so it was an entire weekend of catch wrestling. So during the day, we had the Billy Robinson Classic Catch Wrestling Tournament. So essentially, it's not unlike a Brazilian jiu jitsu tournament, uh, but there are five minute rounds. It would be three, five minute rounds. You only can win by a pin or a um, uh, concession, meaning they tap out. You have to win two out of three times. If it goes all three rounds and no one's winning, it goes to sudden deaths or whatever victory that might be. Not unlike football, you know, when you score in the last one, then you win the game here in the U.S. But um, that was excellent. Really good talent. wasn't large, but it was very competitive. Really enjoyed it. We had several of our guys, of course, medal, which is great. Now that night, we had the catch wrestling world championships and uh, Catch is actually an English thing. Surprisingly, it's not very big over there. Right. Tommy, Harley, hardly ever That's heard right. Of Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but so, the, so we had, uh, we had eight world-class competitors and uh, one of the guys who ch- came over, he didn't compete, Chris Cross, I guess he's from uh, Northern England. He's Scottish, I guess, uh, you know, but um, great guy. He did the seminar with me on Sunday, but, these guys got in the ring the same rules. Now one guy, Kieran, uh, who won the entire tournament. So you fight, there's, you know, you I start with eight and you work down, so you have to fight three times in the night, I guess, to win the whole thing. He fought a total of 60 minutes. Every, he was 180 pounds. Every guy he fought outweighed him shit by 40, 50, 60 pounds. Um, and, and he was a hell of a competitor. He even broke his arm at the last round and kept fighting. Um, now, it's a real niche thing. It's wrestling. You can see why it's not necessarily popular with the, the masses outside the people who do BJJ and catch. But it was fantastic. We had a nice crowd there. Um, and, uh, and I was the MC, announcing everybody. And my, my partner, Dave, was the, the ref. But I, I want to give a thanks to Joel Bain from Snake Pit USA and all the people who attended. And, and of course, uh, the competitors. Now, what's kind of interesting about that is the last time – the catch had a world champion uh, chip was 1908 Uh, after that boxing kind of took over and catch wrestling kind of became pro wrestling at whatever level it was so the so the interesting thing i thought was that in a hundred years from now 50 years from now there's going to be a book in an antique bookstore dusty on the cover and some kid or will be interested in the history of catch wrestling. And when they open that book and bring it out, and it tells about the history of catch wrestling and and its influence on combat martial arts, Primal Jim, Jim McCann, Joel Bain will be in that book long after I'm gone. So it's kind of a weird legacy thing, which I didn't think about. That's kind of odd, don't you think?
0: I I think that's fantastic. uh... Yeah, it was
1: by accident. (laughs) I wish I said I planned it, but... uh... I didn't realize that. That kind of hit me. I was like, wow. You know, uh, right in and so you were going to say what time I apologize well, for interrupting. I,
0: I know, you, you know you're very close friends with Joel. You're very close friends with John Potenza. And th- those right. guys, I guess, have been champions for that martial art. And um, we've right. had both of them on the show for anyone that wants to go back and listen to it. Right. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not certainly over here, it's not a widely known, known um, martial art. And right. I think even in the US, it's somewhat, um it hasn't hasn't got you know quite the same following as um, what you'd see as high school wrestling or the or the pro wrestling which i'm not a big fan of but i know you love
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's real (laughs) um but anyway you're right so anyways thought that was kind of a neat thing and these and it will never in my opinion you know get to the heights of brazilian jiu-jitsu it's very competitive it's a great thing to add to your thing if you happen to find someone who really knows it just a different twist on things but anyway i was pretty excited about that and then sunday i got to teach a seminar with chris cross it was a uh, uh, he uh runs a legit pro wrestling out of the uk very great grappler and it was interesting with some of these other experts that he got, he got to talk to we're trading ideas and talking about stuff and and uh, the approach it was very similar how we do it, you know, and uh, and uh, he did action and then I did mine, and I tied it all together, see how it meshed. And, and it, w- it was just a good weekend. So I was pleased. Now, Friday, or excuse me, Saturday, I was there 4 a.m. to 1 a.m. I went home. Uh, the only thing I ate all day was it was an odd combination. I had one pretzel uh, in the afternoon, and when I got home at 1 in the morning, I had sushi. <laughs> 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 what a comedy. Common- that's all I ate. Then I got back to the gym at four in the morning on Sunday and left at five in the afternoon. Uh, so that's what it takes to do all this stuff. It's uh it's I I don't know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but I love it. And it's worth it. You know, and hopefully one day, one day I'll, I'll make a penny doing it, or, you know, a decent living. But anyway, let me hit this rest of the shit and, and then we'll get to well, your top just, just
0: two questions on that. Yes, Jim. One yes. is, how was it as a spectator? you know as a spectacle was it something right. that you think you think guys could watch and really get something out of do you think is is it and is it something you're going to keep keep doing um, yeah. year after year
1: here's a challenge it's very niche you know um, you really have to know what's going on because grappling in and of itself wrestling collegiate wrestling Olympic wrestling it's really not a fan favorite I think even they tried to get rid of wrestling in the Olympics a couple years ago, but it was one of the original sports. Um, it's never had huge, uh, huge, uh, you know, fan base. It's not on the sports networks. You never hear about anybody. You have to be kind of a part of that culture, you know, to be a part of it. Um, it so the people who attended it were obviously into it. It was very entertaining. If they kind of knew what was going on and were interested in it, if you were someone from outside of that world, I, maybe you could appreciate the athleticism and the, the game of chess that they were playing because, you know, you move one inch one way or an inch the other way, it could change the whole entire game. Uh, the submissions, everything were, was done was basics, just done really well. And another thing that came out, which I already knew, we talked about it, was the conditioning of the athletes. These guys were in great shape. The guy who won fought an hour. I challenge anyone on the planet. You wrestle, you know, three or four of the people for one hour straight. Who outweigh well, you? It's not easy. So, you know, the condition was second to none. So when I have my other athletes, boxers, which I gave a lecture last night, that condition is paramount. Unless you, the average guy who does martial arts or whatever, needs to be at that level. That level is very hard to achieve. But you got to have some level of physical fitness this bullshit that you you can wield the knife or uh, twirl the stick or, you know, you know, a finger jab and you're going to be okay. It may work. But if you go against someone who's sort of fit, maybe they're a football player or rugby player, they might just stomp your ass, <laughs> you know, because their size, strength, speed, athletic ability. But, uh, but so anyways, going back to it, yeah, you got to kind of be a, a fan of It's very, it's me and my, f- you know, five friends in our nerdy group is pretty much that's who's in it. So <laughs> we will do it again next year. though. Cool, cool. Wow. Did I go on too long, Tom? <laughs>
0: nah, never, never, never. Listen,
1: I got a lot to fucking say. That's all.
0: I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Next week, Mick Thornton is doing a uh, CQC seminar primal gym. I will not be there, but Nick, Mick, whatever, Mick Thornton will be there for like four hours. It's thirty bucks. It's worth going. Mick's a great, great teacher. It'll be a lot of good stuff. I will at the same time be in Delaware with I'm at Cornerstone Martial Arts. August 11th, our next fight. Boy, this is a whole story. we got to get to you, though. Uh, August 11th, we'll be having our fight at the Claridge Hotel in Atlantic City. We had to switch venues. That is a long story. I want to get to you, Tom. It's all about you. So, <laughs> But I'll hit on that again, but that's a great venue. If you want tickets you need to get, hit me up quickly uh, at, uh, you know, find me on Facebook at uh primalgymnj.com um primalfightpromotions uh dot com the original primalradio.com which site still in works and then of course we got a bunch of other shit it doesn't matter right now okay do you think i said enough time i did enough self-promotion i think so
0: yeah definitely like that
1: de- well are you sure i mean but there is a ton of stuff that you know We do. And I have to get out there. I have to talk about after all this is our show. And uh, it's interesting. I had a conversation (laughs) with uh, someone the other day and they talked about, you know, you know, how did you how did you decide or pick who? How did I pick you as a co-host?
0: <laughs> was that a pointed one? Was this one of the people that gave me some bad fan mail last no, week?
1: I didn't, first of all, I didn't say there was bad fan mail. I just said there were fan mail.
0: That's interesting how your mind works. You, you, imp- be, you implied that they were preferring it without uh, me. That, was that what was infra-
1: no, Well, I, I know.
0: <laughs> no,
1: but it was disappointing. It was like, well, how did you do that, right? Did, did we ever have this discussion, Totten? Uh,
0: no, no, no. I think we were saving it for this show. We
1: were. I didn't know that. Well, you should let me in on those notes.
0: <laughs> but so
1: yeah, so um, and I was just interested. I just said, like in in my little crazy mind, um, I knew that it would be a real good matchup just by conversations we we've had over the years. Uh you seem to enjoy conversation. And <laughs> uh, I just thought it was, a, it was more quite honestly, there was no uh, resume that had to be filled out. I just had to know that this was someone that I could sit down and get across that we were having, like we talked about having a pint and yeah. just bullshitting and having a good time yeah. with whoever we're talking about, whatever we're talking about. Um, and I, that's how I knew it. So it was really a gut thing. It was interesting. And for me and my world, Every time I don't listen to my gut, I'm wrong. Yeah. So well, how did you come? Often it's a gut thing. Now, I could list a whole, you know, 20 reasons why or why not, but it's usually a gut thing. That seems to make your intuition kind of work. Yeah, but that I, was can, a I can one.
0: relate to that definitely with people. I, I think you just have a feeling with people. And, uh, right. Um, be it negative or positive. But you, sure. I, I think I can make that decision relatively quickly. Right
1: absolutely it's your, you know you got to listen to that voice and it is often and speaking of in self-defense you know we talked about it when mike Dawson was on you know girls will say you know my gut told me not to do that or go that place with that guy and they overrode it yeah. and uh and then that's when they were assaulted you know but anyway okay wow <laughs> um top <laughs> okay so let, let's go back so you ha- went to the philippines to take your black belt grading, right, with uh, Pat O'Malley, right? And you guys went with a bunch of people?
0: Yeah. So, uh, re- rewinding, we, I started on this. I, I saw Pat O'Malley back in 2012, and I was like, that guy is a real talent. I'll look out for his stuff. He is. He's awesome. He, he is awesome. He is an awesome guy. And, um, well, actually, he got he be- became a grandmaster on this trip, but we'll come back to that a bit later. Wow. Um, so... I then started, they, they advertised for this five-year instructor course. Now, five years is a hell of a long time. Um, and it was based up in the middle of it. Is. So it's, it's kind a... of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a quite a big travel to go up there. Um, and so can, can I go back for a second? So go when on. you're looking at this, I'm asking, remember, I'm doing the fucking interview. <laughs> yeah,
1: go <for> it. <laughs> So when you see this song, uh, wherever it was, what was your original thought? That's something I want to do, something you were going to think
0: about. It was a desire to up my game, particularly in relation to weapons, but also to, to improve things like locking, um, what would be described as tappy-tappy, you know, fast shots, elbows. Though, uh, I guess what I'd describe as probably quite a lot of cool skills, the kind of stuff that looks quite good. Oh, looks um, awesome. Right. And, the course, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a big commitment, but what, when I spoke to a guy called Cam about it, he, he was like, look, at the end of each year, you're going to be qualified to teach up to that belt. So at the end of the first year, I'd be qualified to teach up to green belt, end of the second yeah. year, up to blue belt, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's,
1: my, that's predicated upon the fact... That you meet the minimum requirements. Obviously, it's not because you were there for a year.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, being honest, I, I don't know whether I would have been comfortable to teach up to Greenbelt after the first year or two. You know, it, sure. I've almost lagged slightly behind. You know, you get that score, that you get the grade, but you aren't necessarily comfortable enough to teach it at that point. You need a bit more experience to be ready to teach. That's almost like I get... I achieved the skill level, and then it takes me another year to be able to teach to that level. So I almost right, and what, like right. one year behind.
1: I'm going to ask you now. So why is that?
0: Um, do you teaching, want me answer for you? <laughs> it, there, there, there's being able to. There's being able to see it and recognize it. There's being able to do it, and then there's being able right. to teach it. And being which is a to, whole
1: other level.
0: Yes. Um, and being able to articulate something. Sometimes, you know, you might do a move and, you know, this being a radio show, you can't really demonstrate anything, but you might do something quite quick um, and you'll, it will involve shifting your hips, you know, uh, blocking with one arm, punching with another, you know, move it, doing some footwork, et cetera. But being able to explain that to someone such that they can do that move is Murray. an entirely different skill. Um, oh, no doubt. And it benefits you a lot, obviously, as a practitioner to be able to break something down to that level and understand it that well.
1: Right. Remember, we talked about the Finneman method, the guy who won uh, the Nobel Prize for uh, physics. And it's called the, uh, it's either Finneman or uh, Feynman technique. Remember this? Conversation.
0: Uh, no, but gone. It sounds like a <laughs>
1: <one>. <laughs> so. Here's the here's the bottom line. You're funny because it was funny. And then you busted my balls about something. But um, what it is is the best way to learn something is to teach it. And um, so there's a whole theory and thought process behind that because then you really have a true understanding of what your depth of knowledge is on that topic. Yeah. If you can't communicate that to someone, then you probably really don't understand it. doesn't mean you can't. In a martial, arts, for example because Mike Tyson was arguably one of the greatest heavyweights in history, does not mean he can teach you boxing. He might even know 10 times more things about boxing than I do, but I bet you he can't teach it as well as I can.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right,
1: Right? so there's two different skill sets, you know, because there are guys who they can do, well, you just got to do this. Well, they naturally do that, and all those minute details that the average guy or girl may need, they're on. incapable of explaining that but anyway that is important that is an interesting fact because party requirements is to become a teacher at some level i guess
0: yeah and i think i mean th- th- look that could dive into a whole separate show on itself right <laughs> but um i, I don't want to get too too sidetracked into that but i 100 agree and i'm now at the stage with the rapid ironing stuff where i'm, I'm starting to explore teaching it more I'm contemplating setting up my own group and stuff like that so look um, at you Yeah, it's it's. It's definitely, it's definitely, I guess, the next step. Go, going, was back, it? going back yeah. to like, the journey, The, the right. we, we talked about from the beginning going to the Philippines as a sort of meaningful way. Oh, so day
1: of one, you had that conversation, so to speak, early on.
0: Early on, yeah, definitely. There would be a meaningful way to sort of um, finish the course. We've actually pulled it forward slightly. And the idea, because um, I haven't finished the course in, in its entirety, the idea of that is that... Um, it, we would do this trip to coincide with the twenty fifth year anniversary of the founding of Rapid Arnis. So Pat, Pat O'Malley founded the system in nineteen ninety three. Oh, um,
1: really? I didn't know that. That was out.
0: Yes, but it's been around for a while. I mean, he he'd, he trained for years, you know, seventies and eighties at the Bob Breen Academy, and then um, going off to right. the Philippines and training with all these grandmasters. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever really asked asked him the question of why he felt the need to create his own system. But in the Filipino martial arts, unlike, say, the Chinese martial arts and Japanese martial arts, where evolution, some, sometimes, you know, it, it, the idea is to do it the same way as your master did it, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera, well, And it's, it's yeah. classical and it doesn't evolve. The idea in the Filipino martial arts, as I understand it, is that it would grow out of the islands. It would... Um, you would put your own twist on it. You might then give that system a name, and then people would then study. And obviously, the, the nature of the Philippines is you've got all these different islands, and and the, the word would spread. If it was a good system, it word would spread, and it might end up in America or or going right, right around the world.
1: Right, right, right. So after all that, so then you made that, and you and you were you stayed on this journey. You train with them. How often?
0: So we do the first weekend every month for 10 hours in total. So we do we do wow. five, five days on the Saturday, five days on the, uh, sorry, five hours on the Saturday, five hours on the Sunday. And I think when, when the course was created, the London guys were quite sceptical around whether it would be possible to create good martial artists with, you know, training once a month. And the answer is, uh, no, it's not. The guys that, the three of us that have made it to Black Belt Standard, and there's been about twelve or more others that have fallen by the wayside, no offense to them, um, we've had to do extra training. We've had to go to every extra event that's been available to us in terms of other seminars. um, And we've put together our own kind of training regime uh, between the three of us to to ensure we upskill and we get right. our, our drills done. And then I've also trained with the London guys wherever possible um, to, to get extra skills. And that's in addition to the fact that I was already a pretty good empty hand martial artist in terms of boxing, kickboxing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, and I've, I've continued my JKD throughout that journey. So, you know, when it comes right, to empty right. hand stuff, I should be all right.
1: Now, do you do any solo command and mastery stuff, solo training?
0: I've never been a solo trainer. And Really? No, and I, I see martial arts training. I think some people can think of martial arts as being quite a lonely endeavor in that, you know, you, you ultimately you might be fighting someone else who wants to kick the shit out of you and yeah. you're in the ring and it's just you by yourself. But the reality right. is throughout that journey to getting to the ring or, or getting to the fight, you are training with people that kind of become your buddies. developing refining skills with those guys and you you build quite a close bond with with these people now there are solo there are solo drills that we do um that could be practiced by yourself in isolation so you know or or you could practice against a a heavy bag or you know a set of tires but um that's never really been my cup of tea because frankly i enjoy the social side of it
1: yes Uh, the reason i ask is well uh, i i do a lot of solo command mastery
0: training is is that Uh, because you've got no no friends
1: (laughs) i was was helping you out with that setup uh, (laughs) uh, let me be first to say fuck you (laughs) (laughs) yes no i right the friends part is true. i really uh, i'm a i'm a lone wolf but i don't know what that was but that noise but um so what happens is um I do a lot of it because it helps me get better at whatever my – I'll give you an example. I've been doing this thing for not too long now. And for some, some inspiring – and we'll get back to the Philippines in, in two seconds – is that I started throwing – and pretty much I'm doing my shadow boxing. I call that – you know not every time when I'm shadow boxing or winging the stick, am I going full speed? I'm actually going kind of slow or medium speed. So I'm very mindful of my body mechanics. I want to know exactly where my body is in relation to that strike. Did it all makes sense to me? So I started going, like I said, slow. So I did every punch, kick, knee, elbow, standing, kneeling on the ground, hand, uh, uh, combative strikes, the palm strikes, the straight lead, the shin kick, the hit and retract strikes, the full strikes, the punya. Uh, the, the, the pummel strike, the stab strike with the stick, both left hand and right hand, right? Yeah. On the ground, the shrimp and the bridge. And you got the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Two and a half hours, three hours later, I finish, right? Nonstop, no breaks. And I'm re- like, I'm really focused on my mechanics so I can move more efficiently, you know, left and right breathing. And I got to tell you, I think it's my favorite workout I ever did. I'm dripping wet. And for me, anyway, I get a lot of benefits from that. It doesn't mean, of course, I kill it all the time. You know, I sparred, bet you 20 rounds yesterday. But, um, and plus other training. But anyway, I do enjoy that. And also the reason for that at some other level is not every time do you have someone to play with. Yeah. You know, and and with me, with my schedule so big, it's not always easy for me to get with you. Yeah. Can we train from eight to nine? You know, uh, I wish it was the case. Uh, but that doesn't always work. So often, by the way, too, when I train, I jump in with my students. I'll do their conditioning, I'll spar them, you know, I wrestle them, whatever it might be. So I get something.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I do, I enjoy, you know, fucking my other guys up when I'm training with them. <laughs> Relatively speaking. You know, I do enjoy the aspect, but there, there is that need for. But anyway, that was it. So going there, when you went, did you
0: guys have a huge group that went so, to the Philippines? So, so there was 15 of us. Um that's a good number. Yeah, real impressive to go quite so far, uh, you know, from the UK, it really is very far. How long, how long was the flight? Uh, Oh God, about, I mean, you, you, you touched down in Dubai. I mean, that, that bit's like something like seven hours and then the next bit's like 11 hours. So it's, it's about 18 hours with a break, you know? And that wow. was pretty, how, pretty good. How was
1: the plane ride? Right? No turbulence. It was smooth. No, it was, it was cool. a
0: gigantic. Yeah, it was cool. I watched films, slept. I, I'm, I'm pretty good in that I can, you know, sleep on these trips over. There was a lot right. of kind of banter and fun on the way over um, with the guys. But um, right. yeah, was there of...
1: drinking Was there drinking on the plane?
0: <laughs> there was a bit. I, I didn't really go for it, but a couple of the guys mm-hmm. were. Um, we, mm-hmm. we In terms of, like, the group that went, there was, you know, probably about five five instructors or – um, including Pat um, and Andy, right. who, who's like this kind of second in command in the system. And then um, there was like a full spectrum. There was four of us going for our black belts, um, a couple of guys doing their brown belts, uh, a, a girl doing her blue belt, a girl doing her green belt, and I think one or two others that I've probably forgotten about. But um, So, it's so, a you know, a proper range of abilities. I think Pat, right. who, who's never one to mix his words, he goes, I'm... I've taken a load of my best martial artists and my worst martial artists out to the Philippines, and they've all done pretty well. I think he he was quite impressed with how everyone stepped up to the challenge.
1: Right. You know, I find it interesting that he's been able to create this group uh, or or filter out and get such dedicated martial artists. I don't know if it's, you know, like anywhere else on the planet, there people are super dedicated, will show up and do everything in line. But I have found that there's obviously a much larger number who just kind of – the expression is stick their toe in the water and kind yeah. of just fiddle around with it. They only kind of go to some things, you know, and, and they only kind of train and they wonder yep. why they're they are very mediocre to do this thing. is very important. Floyd Winter, who's a world class grappler. He was the one who taught Randy Couture how to wrestle. Uh, he was a head coach of the Air Force um, wrestling team. Anyway, so he was at the event we had. And on Sunday prior to the seminar, and I'm getting to what you're, he was talking about, this is a, and this was for the seminar we talked, we had, who knows how many people for that seminar, but he was saying, you know, this is a big deal. You showing up on a Sunday on your time, right? When you could be with your family and for other things to train, to get better at your passion, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's really true. So those people who go to those seminars, let alone the fucking Philippines to yeah. do this, that's a higher level of dedication. It's a huge level. The financial aspect going to the Philippines when it's 200 degrees and swinging a stick at some guy's head. Um, that's a big deal, you know? Yeah. So chances are all those people will get to that level. And this not only does in martial arts, it transcends the martial arts to your real, uh, to, to the real world, I guess. So I think so.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, by the time I finish this course, I would have spent probably £20,000 on doing the arnis stuff. And that, that's a little bit of training, a lot of travelling, buying weapons, um, and time the weapons. associated drinking and all that kind of thing that goes with it. And then JKD is probably 30000 So let's call it £50,000 total. Right. Um, JKD, I've been doing a lot longer. Um, sure. And I think I've made two hundred pounds so, <laughs> it's, what it's, nice investment yeah yeah it's it, it you know it's it's but a, it's, you, a, it's so a passion and i give up so mind, much my time yeah. to do it
1: right right and what you what you get in return for it is you know uh, that just as a person your development your spirit your soul you know and the physical attributes the friends you've made uh, these experiences that you've had as a direct result of it is invaluable yeah. What price tag can you put on spending the afternoon with me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: I mean, it's priceless.
0: <laughs> I agree. I mean, uh, I, I, went, I actually went to the Philippines back in 2008, which was, oh, I, did, I did a very long, about six months of traveling. I, I lost my job. I did a thing called the Mongol Rally, where you like get an old car and drive to Mongolia. And then but because I... I'd lost my job, I canceled my flights home and just went around Asia. And in the Philippines, I had quite a shallow experience. You know, I flew into Manila. I went off to Boracay, yeah. which is a big tourist destination. I did some diving there. And I probably hung out and drunk with some other travelers. This was a very different experience in that sure. I got to hang out with the locals and train with the locals. And there is a bond that you build up with people, as I kind of referred to before, through My. training, through fighting them, for whatever it might be. And uh I, I definitely I feel a lot more connected to the Philippines as a country than what I did last time, you know. I, I can't wait to go back there. We're we're gonna go back in January 2012, uh 2020, sorry. 2012, that would be a good trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back to the future.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, that's funny. Oh, that's great. So um what so what in, in what what's involved in the grading that you're doing? Uh, by the way, you're grading. Do the guy or girl doing the blue belt or bramble, are they essentially doing the same thing and you're just expected to do it at a different level or are they doing something completely different?
0: So, so the rapid, honest grading, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I haven't done hundreds of grading systems and I can't compare and contrast how we operate right. versus a lot of other systems. Um, but in my opinion, and, and in uh, some other people who've done a lot of other martial arts, arts um, they feel it's the toughest grading they've done. So it's a three-day grading, and it's always three days every year. Um, The first day is entirely technical, um, and they they will ask the more senior grades to do some teaching. But what they'll do is they'll they'll challenge you by maybe getting you to teach the thing that you're least comfortable with, and that was certainly Ah. what they did with me. The second day is technical, but sometimes a mixture, the higher-level technical stuff, and sometimes a mixture with a bit of fighting as well. Now this this year, perhaps because of the heat, we didn't really do any fighting on that day, but we went through all the drills in the syllabus, which is you know long stick, double stick, single stick, knife, double knife, various empty hand drills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's a there's a lot of them. They're, they're kind of uh, flow drills, sinawali, so double stick drills, where you know performing patterns. And for the higher grades, the expectation is that you'll perform them. With a level of technique aggression, control uh, that's you know really really i guess looks very much like you're fighting you know it looks like you're trying to take someone 's head off, but sure. you 've got the control not to do so, and then the final day is fighting, um, and we did about well at least fifteen rounds of uh, of ground fighting, which which isn't isn't my strength um, it 's not something so much you 're graded on in terms of you know, it, 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 you're not going to fail you, your black belt because you weren't a great grappler because it's not essential to the system. But they want to see that you've got some ability to hold off or, or submit your opponent and that you're willing to go and get stuck in and do round after round of fighting. So we kind of did a round robin for everyone in the room and then the senior guys kind of carried on um, doing a bit more of that. We then went Was your
1: into... wep- weapons ground fighting or you just... MDM? No, This
0: was this was... Um, empty hand yeah thereafter we did uh boxing so um i you get divided into like the heavyweights and the lightweights i'm always in the heavyweight category unfortunately Ah. and then (laughs) uh box we, we kind of box everyone um kind of round robin style and then then we moved then we did some kickboxing which was in terms of the kicking was relatively light because none of us had bought like say kicking shields, but um, it wasn't too hardcore. And then in the afternoon we moved on to the stick fighting and what we call the black Eagle. So the the stick fighting on this occasion, we would normally have done single stick, double stick, which would mostly be padded stick um, and maybe some long stick with again with a padded stick. Um, what we did instead this time is we did their format, which is weak half sparring, where you wear body armor, you um, have a stick and uh, stick and helmet and um, some light gloves, and we fought the Philippine national team. Um, wow! So we How all... was that? Uh, it was good actually. I mean I, i'd never worn I'd never worn that outfit, um, the, the body armor. And well, and that I guess that took a tiny bit of getting used to. But I watched the video back sure. of me fighting this guy who's who's their kind of best fighter. He's he's he'd grown up in America, so he, a lot of the Filipinos are quite small. But he he was kind of more like my size. And oh, wow. th- when I watched the video, you know, I, I, I was moving around. Well, I, I was very happy with how I was moving around. You know, I was cutting angles. I was putting some good hits on him. Do you think that came because of your boxing? No, I think from JKD I get the range, but when when I'm doing the JKD stuff, I would be mostly working along the line. And the reason I took up boxing was so I would take up better angles. But what the Filipino stuff has, has really enhanced me in that aspect that um, I'm kind of cutting off in what they call like the male female triangle. So you're, you're yeah. cutting off angles and working around them. Now. If I was a better boxing, I'd cre- boxer, I'd credit boxing for giving me that. But I think the right answer is really I've got that from the FMA. But okay. I, you know, I've, I've certainly got the range control from the JKD. And I've, the, the fighting at range, I guess, what, the equivalent of, like say, jabbing, would, would you know, come from that world.
1: Sure, sure, sure.
0: So the Black Eagle is the final thing we do. And Pat O'Malley with a guy called, uh, what's his name, Simon, why have I forgotten his name? I so will come back to that. Anyway, he created this thing called the Black Eagle Society, and Simon Wells. Um, the Black Eagle Society was basically some crazy guys, and they'd go and fight in the woods around London. And there was no rules, there was no winner or no loser, but you um, you could do whatever you wanted. You would fight with a helmet and gloves, and you would fight for as long as they sort of saw fit. So gotcha. the fight that I had was, I think, about two minutes long, but which is, by the way, forever. <laughs> yes, um, with 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 a live stick, where you know if it hits you on your flesh in any in or on oh, bone, yeah. it really you know it really does hurt a lot. It
1: sucks. Um,
0: but if if the fight sort of I guess goes into a ground fight or gets a bit boring, they'd let that extend, so it might end up being a five minute fight. But what, what they want to uh-huh. see is something very aggressive. see some some skills hope ideally using the stick I mean I ended up punching and kneeing a lot but yeah they want to see some stick skills
1: no no absolutely so after the three days of training how how does it go about you actually getting
0: the black belt they kind of line up and give you a a presentation they let they left me to the end which I, I guess was to sort of scare you into thinking maybe you hadn't passed but um, oh,
1: here, so, so hang on so you're standing in line with the other 15 people right yeah and you really at some level did you know you did good or did were there a lot of doubts
0: yeah i no, i knew i'd done well and and what, what the guys say is like you know you have your black belt and then you're seeing your black belt and um that one or the other will usually go badly for you this one went well for me the, the they made me teach a drill called uh Totsada Lagarda, which kind of means um, cut and thrust. I think it means something like that. But um, it's it's a drill that I'm still not 100% comfortable with. I'm certainly not comfortable with teaching it. So that was one issue that I had. And then there was another bit that I was struggling to get. And when it came to the right time when I needed to get it, I got it right, which was doing five count, six count versus four count. But in general, the grading went well. The things that I'm not great on, you know, I know... They they're going to need a bit more work and a bit more refinement for next year, which is the what they call the senior black or the red belt, which is at, at that level. So, he, so here's the thing: I've I've struggled to explain this to some people before, but they've got this junior <laughs> black and <laughs> the senior black, and the idea right. is is like, look, one, we're going to pass you with your black belt, but we want you to come back and do it again, and that really kind of double checks that you've got everything, you've nailed everything down. So in That's terms, pretty genius, like, sure. Yeah, I won't be expected to do anything more next year, but I'll be expected to do it better. I'll be it's certainly no, sure. expected to teach it better. And, and this year should be a big year for me getting teaching experience.
1: Right. So here, and that's brilliant uh, that he has that because what happens is people get it, that's their goal. They get their black belt, whatever their respective art, and they cease to continue to learn and improve. I've yeah. got it. What has happened here... Especially with the Korean martial arts, and it's happening in other ones, I'm just using as an example. Is that, you know, the originally with the hardcore old school karate, Korean Okinawa and stuff that came to the US, by the UK after the Korean War and stuff like that, is, was, was real hardcore and pretty badass. And then, you know, the one kid does his black belt, it's probably decent, and then he goes up and opens 10 schools, and because he had money or whatever, and it's, it's good for money the subsequent generations after that gets watered down and they're not as good. They don't know why they're doing things because there's no, you, once you get it, you're it. And yeah. that's brilliant that you have to go back because you're, in, in, in their eyes, just a beginner.
0: Yeah, and the, the other thing they do, which um, I, I don't know how much you'll relate to this and whether this is common across other martial arts, but once you've got that senior black, which that, that'd be your first degree black belt, you then, because you've got it one year after doing your black belt, then they have the second degree would be two further years after that. Your third degree would be three years further after that. So you're now you've now done six years on top of your black. Your fourth degree would be four years on top of that. So you're, you've done then done ten years, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now what they, what they say is like, look, if we're not going to actively assess you in quite the same way, but what we want to see you do is continue to work on the system. And bring other things back to the system. So, for example, if I went away and decided, right, the next thing I want to do is work on catch wrestling, right. and then I come back and I teach these guys some catch wrestling moves to up their groundwork game, then they would, co- and I continue to practice my rapid harness, then I would be eligible to go for my second degree, third degree, fourth degree. If I take a four year gap where I don't do any training, then I wouldn't be able to get that second degree for six years, so it keeps everyone those who like literally, like, as you say, they just want to get the black belt, tick the box, and then they're not going to carry on with it.
1: Sure, open up the wrong school.
0: Yeah, they will never, they will never get that kudos associated to having the second, third, right. fourth, fifth, blah 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 degrees. Right,
1: right, which is right, and,
0: and that's I, why few and fewer people get to that level. So. On on your stuff, Jim, how how do you in how do you encourage people to or, or, or your experience of other systems? How do they encourage people to continue to improve after I, their black belt?
1: I really think um, that is lacking in in all these over here, in my experience. I've got many degrees, nothing, but no one is they didn't say you have to do this and do this year you know, you're kind of left hanging in the wind for a good part of it. It was just up to your own dedication and willingness to get better. Pat seems to have really put into play a real nice system encouraging people to get to that level. You know, often life gets in the way of people doing it, you know, children and job and health and whatever, but I've never seen that organized. That's brilliant uh i want to steal some of that
0: <laughs> yeah <no, I>, and <laughs> i have to say it it's it's a very good system and we, we thought right. before that my experience in jkd was at once uh, you know and you i think you were talking about david or someone else as well where it was like what do i need to do to get to the next level now in rapid ice, it was always clear and fair and they've got A couple of the guys, Pat's not, you know, Pat's not naturally a fan of a couple of the guys that, that, you know, when when he referred to his best martial arts, his worst martial artists, there's a couple of guys that need to win him over in terms of their work rate, their attitude towards martial arts, but ultimately the system is always fair. The system is saying, if you're good enough, we will give you the black belt, regardless of whether you're a, a wonderful person who's really nice, blah, 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 and... I think people can really relate to that fairness and the consistency of standards. Yeah. What, By the what... way,
1: that's interesting. You said, cause I'll give you an example in Brazilian Jitsu here. I'm sure it's over there. Initially when I did BJJ 25 years ago with some of the top players in the world, mm. um, there was no form, no formal anything. When I originally back in, I bet you I got my blue belt in, um, 1993 94 that my first ranking and essentially what happened is uh, uh they came over and said oh, you're a blue belt okay what does that mean there was no standards no nothing you had no idea and uh it's still like that today where people just get it and i have had that discussion why is there not and there are some guys who've done that this is what you need to know Ah, but there's still a lot of politics involved in, in some other things. I'm just using an example because that was just on the- so I've
0: got two What's observations, sorry, on, on on that in general, right? So one is right. my understanding of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and maybe it's different between different groups, or certainly yeah, the, the stuff that my um, friend Paul does over in Ireland is you have to win in order to get your belt. And as you can imagine, the higher you get up, the harder it is to win. So right. What will happen is some guys, in order to have a lot of medals in their gym, um, they will stay at white belt for longer than they need to in order to collect medals so it looks like they're successful. Other guys will jump up to blue belt and then they might find it very difficult for a number of years to get up to brown belt. But my understanding of Brazilian jiu-jitsu was that you had to win in order to make make your way up the ranks. However, you're, you're telling me otherwise.
1: Well, no, no. I mean, so what was happening is, you know, how many how many asses can you kick in the, in the gym, and you you seem to have shown the skill, but there was no test.
0: Yeah, so so, so that's another that's another interesting one. Now, I, I, one of the martial arts groups that I've that I'm familiar with doesn't have a grading, or a couple a couple of the martial arts groups I'm familiar with, they don't have a grading, and at some stage the instructor will come round and tell you you're good enough. Here's your, here's your belt. What pretty do much you think right. of that?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I think you have to, da- you know, right. Because there could be someone by the way, who knows, understands, can explain and can perform at a pretty decent high level, but they're not physically uh, capable of, maybe kicking everybody's ass, you know, so to speak. Maybe they have a condition. Maybe they, So is it fair to hold that individual back? My answer is no. Mm. Um, but other guys can destroy everybody. Well, let's put it this way. When you go to your sparring, let's assume Pat had it where everybody, you know, was a free for all at the end. You had to fight everybody. Is it reasonable to say there could be someone in there who just had such great athletic skills that they could probably compete at the black belt level just because their ability to swing that stick really hard at your head, but had no really skill set after that?
0: Yeah, I can't think of anyone, but yeah. I, I, but theoretically, I, that could definitely happen.
1: Theoretically, that could happen. Yeah. Now, I, I bet I know the answer would Pat give that guy a black belt. Um, I, th-
0: I think in the past that may have happened actually i mean rapid Arnis's group was built on a reputation of having pretty awesome tough fighters yeah Uh, and i think some other groups do look at it saying you know well look you 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 guys are slightly simplifying stuff and doing a kind of principles based approach whereas we teach a million different moves um therefore your thing may be inferior but um When it came to like tournament fighting, etc., etc., the RA guys would usually win because they're more field tested. They do more, we you know maybe do more sparring, more fighting. That said, with Andy Jansen um, sort of as a number two, I think he's upgraded the the quality in terms of the emphasis on the technique over not over fighting because we need both, but I think the I would say the technical standards have gone up and certainly that, that gets said at every camp. I don't know whether the black belts of 10 years ago uh, would perform as well technically as the black belts of today.
1: Right, so it's probably a healthy combination between the two.
0: Yeah, but I, I mean, what well, I found with grading is um, it helps me, Look, everyone wants to be able to like say drive their, pass their driving test, they can go and drive that car. And they want the certificate. Right. However, whatever test that you do highlights all the stuff that you're weak on. Um, and and I found the learning process of, well, I'm not very good at this, that, and the other to be the most useful aspect. Because then I know all the stuff that I need to work on the next time.
1: Right. The self-awareness.
0: Yeah. One thing I've tried to do over the last few years, and I've got better and better at it, is try and enjoy the grading. Try and have as much fun as I can. Do it with a smile on my face. And that's really... That's really rewarded me a lot I think yeah just go go out and have a good time yeah
1: no, no doubt, did you guys go to the Philippines? so you enjoyed going to the Philippines, you met some buddies, yeah, made new friends we
0: so we trained with grandmasters um almost every day in that's, total, per, that's
1: pretty amazing
0: yeah yeah these guys the 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 skill level is just off off the scale we we trained with about eight of them. Um, one of the guys sent around this documentary on Filipino martial arts and it was full of almost every guy on there we trained with. So I think we were, wow. really were training with like the who's who of um, FMA, particularly in Cebu, which is a city that's, I guess, renowned for FMA as well. What,
1: were, they good? were they good instructors?
0: Mixed bag is, is my honest uh, impression, uh, is my honest answer to that. Um, some some of the guys were excellent teachers some of them were just excellent practitioners and it was very difficult to follow. I mean, to give you an example, you know, one of the guys, we were doing you know, 30, a 32-move combo that we've never done before. And wow. then, then you finish that up with two two extra six-move combos. And it's, it's quite a lot to take in in like a two-hour time slot to do that well. Some of the other guys, there's, you know, low, endless amounts of kind of uh, locks and disarms and you have to admire the skill in which they do it and the tricks that they perform you know they'll, they'll kind of wrap your arms up so they're oh, no yeah. longer ho- holding the stick but your arms are all tied up around your own stick and their stick is which which is kind of remarkable but I can picture one of them you know everything I, I did he was like no 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 and you start to go get a bit despair in despair because ev- you feel like everything you're doing is wrong. Um, yeah. But then other guys were much more natural teachers. Um, and it was interesting to see the different styles. So we trained two different styles of Berlin to rock, um, which is a very close range system. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, San Miguel and Lapunti, which are, I guess, looking at more kind of art shots. Um, uh, Abanico de Arnis, which, which you know, has a very strong focus on abanicos. which are, when I initially started the system, I was like, why would you do this little kind of flick to the head? kind of shot but actually it's as my understanding's advanced it's become like well i now understand that hit is just incredibly important because it goes round someone's stick so you score and then and then you change direction to sort of slash and kill them Um, (laughs) so it becomes your kind of go-to move that you end up using all the time there was a a few other systems including like dossi perez and um I, I, I forget, you know. There's just there's just so many of them, but we we got about ten ten days or so with with grandmasters, three days of grading, and uh, in total that was forty. I, I personally did forty seven hours of training over there. Um, some of the other guys might have done slightly less because they went home earlier, but right. you know, that is that is like doing three months of training. I would say um, with grandmasters. Uh, so, so you know, could, couldn't be better really for my development.
1: Right? No, it's great. It's great. It was interesting, you know, like you know that that dollar man. We all have talked about it ad nauseum. Jesus, you know, going and doing a trip like that and tapping into that knowledge cannot be replicated on fucking YouTube. Um, you know, uh, uh, you need to because they're experienced. The conversation, yeah, in, in depth knowledge that they provide you. Training with a Tim Dak or Pat O'Malley or these guys. You know, it, it is priceless, man, uh, you know, because you just have conversation, and stuff might just come up through that natural conversation and they give you a little piece of truth. Hey, this is what I found. This is what I discovered. How do you how do you get that anywhere else? It's not on DVD. It's not on YouTube. You know, uh, that is so important to get to that. Whatever level you want to achieve. Yeah. And I've you know, I've seen it, you know, more and more people not paying for that to do that it it, like you said you spent fifty thousand pounds possibly on training you know uh, you know good lord and people don't and i get economics can play a big part of it but usually it's bullshit that plays a big part (laughs) that they just don't invest in it
0: well well exactly i mean what what i tend to do is like i build my vacations around training so you do we've talked about guys will go to like spain for three you know two weeks in the sun
1: Right, you come to the U.S. and you and, and you stay with me for a handful of days, and you go to you know yeah wherever else it might be, you know. So now, okay, so now that you said so they stand you in line, they held you up to the end, and you were well, you going, fuck, maybe I didn't pass.
0: <laughs> no, not not really. I, I think in in truth, I knew I'd pass. But they gave they gave me good feedback. I think they left they left me to the end because. They were, they were fucking... kind of highlighting my attitude <laughs> to the training as being good, yeah, in that right. i I'd, I'd done it all with a smile on my face, and I'd done it oh, joking around. It? Whereas right. I've so, gone.
1: So walk me through the so now they're doing it, and then finally Tom McGrath and what do they
0: do? As I say, they just did this little high little bit of highlighting, that you know, a little bit of feedback, and they said, "Look, you you." done the whole training with a smile on your face. You, you joked around kind of thing. And I, I think it was you could tell that I'd enjoyed it where maybe um, the other guys that I'd done it with um, had got a little bit frustrated at times. I, I, I didn't have those moments uh, which, which is just pure luck, you know. Like, uh, uh, right. maybe they didn't pick on me at the right time. Maybe the the drills that I got to do went well for me. But you know, it it, it was it was a it was a very successful grading for me. I think. Um, no, that's awesome. Without sounding arrogant, right. Hopefully.
1: And and, and you know, obviously the question like, why go to the Philippines? And I think we touched on it earlier is the experience. I guess. Right. Yeah. The well,
0: whole... I mean, look, you can find. I th- there's an argument sometimes when we bring over great instructors from say America and they'll be like, right. why do you bother to get a great instructor like Jim McCann to come over? Because we've got great instructors in our own country, like right. the, the likes of Pat O'Malley. And it's right. not, it's not to knock, knock people like you. It's, it's, to, it's, it's, guys sort of feeding back saying, you know, look, it, it's, it's unnecessary to get people over. The, I think the reality when it comes to the, the JKD world you know California in the US. It's 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 the home of that martial art. Whilst 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 Bruce Lee is you know um, very much a guy from Hong Kong. That martial art was devised in in the US, and the guys that were closest to him and training it. And by the around. way,
1: he lived in the US longer than he lived in Hong Kong.
0: Exactly, and and then when it comes to the the FMA, you know I'll give, I'll give the example of cooking. You know if you're an Italian chef, you could you could eat great food, Italian food in your country sooner or later if you truly love cooking italian food you you got to visit italy and see how they do it and it, it it's different you know the philippines the filipinos they're small that they, that they, they would get they would get overpowered by our guys you know like some of the ra guys are pretty big um including myself but they they do, they do things in a different way you know and it's it's right. it's the skill level And you want
1: to experience that yeah Oh, let me go back. I, 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 mis- I, Bruce Lee did not live in the U.S. longer, but he developed the art. He, and his understanding of his growth was longer in the U.S. than it was in uh, Hong Kong. So I misspoke, actually. It wasn't that he lived here longer. So anyway, who gives a shit? But I didn't want somebody to go, well, he said that incorrectly. The yeah. keyboard warriors. So I wanted to correct it. Well, that's true. I would have paid to do that and gone over and, and, and done all that. I think it's invaluable. You know. And, and did you see, was there a different styles could you tell the different approach? I guess you know from the different grandmasters. Yeah,
0: you, you, what you start, what you start doing is a compare and contrast with your own system. So uh-huh. I can see, I saw the biggest parallels with um, Punti and San Miguel to Rapid Arnis, um, but I was very fond of the Belin stuff. Arnis, the Abenico, um, I, I think it was it was the the locks and the disarms and the way they did those felt different to how we would do them. It, it mm-hmm. was something about the tightness of, of the control that they had. They would do a lot of what I would call a stick disarm rather than a, you know, the stick is often used to simulate a sword or a knife. So you don't want to put right. your hand on the blade, right? Um, they they would often be fighting against sticks. So they'd be doing a disarm against a stick. So that was... That was something that was kind of new. Oh, you never, you never kind of approached it that way before. You never. We tend not to. We tend not to get the, I guess, stabbing end of the stick and, and disarm further down the stick, and, mm-hmm. and the reason being, I guess, is, is because we, we, we want it to be transferable to, to a knife or a sword. Yeah, that's an interesting
1: uh, discussion to have um, because you know, as far as a stick, how often is someone going to come at you with some sort of a machete versus potentially a baseball bat or a golf club or something? Um, so that's an interesting discussion, you know, versus, so uh, anyway, it was just, I've, I've,
0: someone said to me on this trip, they they said when they think of rapid harness, they think of the, tur any weapon, any time. And right. I, I really like that. I can't remember who said it to me actually. So, but, um, it's. I think it's a good way of looking at the system. In that you know, we, we need to be prepared to deal with all weapons that come at us, and and sure, um, and, and be a kind of master of all of all the various weapons. Now, you don't need to necessarily do loads of training with a karambit or a kubatan because the skills that we build up with the knife are very similar, you know, they're, they're, they kind of replicate that. The Panatouk and stuff we're doing is, you know, if if I'm doing a a kind of, I guess, punyo or, or hammer fist style punch, you know, I could easily just slip some sort of Kubatan weapon in there. I could have a, a karambit. I'm going to use that to sweep people's arms left and right. So I don't necessarily need to spend ages and ages Working with one particular weapon system, I can use one of the weapon systems to try and understand the other right. weapon systems.
1: Right, no, I get that. Like, so when you guys do improvise, uh, you guys back in the UK, coming back after, like, you're right. The improvised weapon, like
0: a teapot,
1: could be used as a weapon. <laughs> right. Very now, how much it, time yeah. do you spend? If, for, of course, in the UK, how much time do you train uh, killing people with a teapot? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> No. I'm making it, right. But no. you, could, you could kill someone with a teapot. I mean, you can imagine, right? Yeah. That is, that, <laughs> we have teapot training tonight. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You throw the hot water on him and beat it with the cattle.
0: It's, it, so. it's not necessary to work with every single weapon system. You need to understand the principle right. um, and the skills and then apply them to the different weapon systems.
1: Right. But, you know, and, and look, if you're having fun, you can pick up a teapot and swing it at someone, you know. Because <laughs> sure, okay. I know it's funny because uh, one of the things when we do improvise, I do improvise, but one of the things I mess with is a hammer. Yeah. Hammer's not, a, right? Now, why would I do that? Not, we spend five minutes on it, uh, the stick. But just because the swinging of a hammer is different, it's weighted differently. It's yeah. a readily available in every household or you know, so, yeah. so we're just fucking with it. For, but by no means do I go, okay, we're spending five hours today turning how to smack someone with a hammer. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it is interesting to swing and mess with so, for five minutes.
0: So one of the but, things Pat used to do in, in the, um, the, the black belt gradings was there would be a number of weapons with a blanket covering them and uh, the, the candidates would have to choose a weapon but they don't know what's underneath there. So one guy might pick up a hammer and the other guy might pick up a, you know, a, a dildo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he's going to fuck him with the
0: dildo. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe not a dildo, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but you know, there, yeah, that's there, funny. there'd be some I weird weapons there have to go at and with each other, yeah. That's fun.
1: That is, well, I guess a dildo could kill you. So, <laughs> yeah. that's what, yeah. <laughs> what a way to go um so you did it one of the shows you, you know while well, you were gone you did an interview
0: yeah Ju- juni canietti i wanted to um uh, jump in yeah. and say say that in case you couldn't pronounce it
1: <laughs> yeah, well you're right that was a good save i, I would have uh, butchered the name
0: have you listened to that show yet yes good Good. Well, I'll, I'll double check when we're off the line whether you're actually actually lying. But so, I mean, he he's just a wonderful, wonderful individual, and and I was immensely grateful that he was willing to come on the show. Sure. He he was very generous in terms of sort of saying, you know, ask me anything, and 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 trying to give a a really detailed response. That man. Right the the influence his group and him himself have had over FMA, FMA cannot be understated. The fact that he created those rules, the WCAF rules, in terms of he created the, the uniforms that they wear, the point scoring methodology in, in order to make it something that was commercially viable that people could watch, that people wouldn't die doing. Um, yeah. He's united so many of the different factions of FMA um, so these guys really work together. And then I think my, perhaps my favourite thing that he's done is 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 a, where he kind of gives a pension to the old um, grandmasters that, you know, don't really have any money who, you know, through getting them to teach to the school, they, they they turn up every week and collect their pension. And he's put through numerous kids. I mean, there was there, there's about 50 training there every night, but um, I, put, he pays for their education, food, a roof over their head, et etc. et cetera, I believe. And, you know, that's making an immense difference to, to people's lives. And in return, what do they have to do? They have to train hard. And I, th- I think his whole group have just been over to Hawaii, the world championships, and I'm sure, I'm sure they performed excellently.
1: Oh, wow, that's awesome. Now, you know, one of the things uh, that people don't realize is it is a, a passion or whatever it might be. And there's a lot of stuff that you give to other people, help them out and stuff. And there's, in, in general most of the guys don't make really much money in any of these martial arts, you know, on any level, you know, so, and that he's helping those guys out, those old grandmasters, and the kids too, by the way, which we do that too, you know, helping people out who are less fortunate who can't afford to train, who want to train. I was having this conversation with Chris Cross uh, at this at the seminar about teaching. I said, I'd rather really train somebody for free, who really wants to learn and is invested in it than someone who'd pay me, you know, a thousand dollars an hour.
0: Yeah. And I think going, going back to Pat, he's, he's of the same mindset. So martial arts is his passion and it's not a commercial, it's not a commercial mindset. He doesn't drag people along. He tells people what they think. And a lot of guys will struggle to keep up with his standards in terms of work ethic and the level of sort of aggression and violence that it, that's kind of expected in the system when it's time to fight, what that does create it though is a sort of meritocracy where people martial artists who want something that's of value, and this is where i you know disagree with the systems that I guess just give out a a um certificate etc you know these things need to be earned people feel a sense of pride when they uh, graduate as a U.S. Marine or a you know Navy SEAL or something like that because they've worked hard and they've earned it. There's a, a degree of eliteness that people want to be associated with these – hit that stand and be associated as being a Navy SEAL or a Royal Marine. Um, sure. You know.
1: Right, because right, very few people achieve that level of proficiency or dedication throughout the years. They give up. And it could be, you know – good reasons to do. and others you know they just wanted a quick and easy fix without a doubt I cannot tell you and we've just how many times people call me up and say how long till I fight you know be an MMA fighter or boxer uh, how long does it take to, for me to get uh, become a teacher or black belt and, you know uh, and I I can apply at some level some of the people are just honest they just want to know yeah you know? And, and other people it's they want the title and the glory without trying- the without the work
0: I was trying to dig out this quote that I found on um kind of uh, one of these mars- martial martial arts personal growth pages and yeah it was this samurai or something like that and he's been approached by someone. And he goes master I, re- I really want to become a you know a samurai how long does it take and he says well probably like five to ten years or something like that and the guy goes but you know I'm, I'm going to work really really hard um and sort of so the grandmaster goes it will take you twenty years, <laughs> and then, then he says, "But master, I'm I'm going to work really hard. I'm willing to do anything to make this happen." And and he says, "Right, thirty years." And he goes, "But why?" And he says, well, "Anyone who's in such a rush could never possibly become a samurai." <laughs> anyway,
1: and that's true. That, that look anyway. Hey Tom, uh, it's good to have you back. I'm sure the UK welcomed you with open arms. <laughs> and uh look it was it, it was a great show man it was a hell of an experience he had and uh we missed having you on the show and uh, uh we had did have some fan man which we'll have to cover another time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like how much better was the show than when Tom was there was it better was it worse you know who knows but uh, no i'm glad to have you back and and uh you will we have a ton of people lined up and and we'll continue doing the show maybe even more at a better pace but um uh, But let me hit a few things. And is there anything outside of that? Is there anything you want to promote?
0: Uh, JKDLondon.com and um, RapidArnis.com, the usual. Great,
1: great place. If you're in the UK training with those guys, are fantastic. Number one priority on my things to promote is Primal MMA Fight Night 1 at the Claridge in Atlantic City. Now, this is going to be a sold-out show. I think I've already sold shit two-thirds of the tickets. Without even trying, and the tickets aren't even out online. So, this is going to be a big hit, and we have future dates coming. So, I'm holding back a few tickets. If you want them, you've got to get a hold of me at primalflightpromotions.com or primalgymnj.com or hit me up on Facebook. You can contact us through our websites. You know, also the original primalradio.com, which is in construction. I've just been so damn busy. We will have all the shows listed with the links to all the various ways you can listen to the show from iTunes to Spreaker to iHeart, whatever that is. So that'll be there for your suggestions and whatever you want. Um, also, I got to set up our emails to there, Tom, for you as well. So, uh, so people can get a hold of us. I think that was it. It's been a great show, Tom. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm happy. Happy to be back. Uh, love this show. We just need to make it as big as we can. Keep sharing. Right keep liking keep reviewing all those kind of things it helps us a lot
1: no it really does and that's important and we are look we start out and things are getting bigger bigger better. guests we do have a line of people who want to do the show and also there's ones that we haven't contacted that we would like to be on the show um and uh and maybe we'll start doing twice a week or something we'll figure that shit out but anyway guys Uh, Another great show from Primal Radio. Peace out.
0: You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.